All right, legends. Welcome back, dude, to yet another episode of Get Around Me, okay? What a time it is to be alive. It's a bonus Ashes Spectacular. I've never done a bonus episode of the podcast before, I don't think. Or if I did, it was clearly mediocre and forgettable, much like a lot of Pat Doherty stand-up comedy. But nevertheless, guys, I've always said that if Test Cricket just reaches a certain level, I must talk about it in a bonus format, okay? When Test Cricket is played at the level it's been played at for the last five days, it it requires its own platform, okay? To talk about it in a segment as part of a larger episode is disrespectful to the game itself, okay? WG Grace would be rolling in his grave if I did an Ashes segment at the end of a regulation episode, okay? So this one goes out to Shane Keith. What a fucking time it is to be an Australian cricket fan. Post-win here at Get Around Me Studios, a.k.a. my bedroom. Post-win. And while the history books will indicate that we won the first test, I will say, not to be a corny piece of shit off the rip, that cricket truly was the real winner, okay? Cricket was the real winner. Australia was a close second. England, obviously dead last in that equation. But so much to talk about, dude. A lot of Uzi, a lot of Uzi to talk about. I'm going to try and keep it banterous, not get too fired up about the great man, okay? But anyway, uh, I'd just like to talk about, there's so much, like so much happened in this test match. You know, I usually like to do a little test match recap. This is what I liked. This is who I liked. This is who I miss. Brackets my ex-girlfriend, you know. I like to do a bit of cricket banter. And I was going to do a bit of cricket banter, guys. And then... Every time I'm watching, I'm like, oh, got to talk about that. Got to talk about this. Got to talk about him, you know? Way too much going on to the point where I was like, this needs its own thing. So I want to talk about some positives. Then I want to talk about some negatives. Then I want to talk about the English team. And then I want to just go through the game. That's how I planned it out in my head. So see how that goes. So positives, first up, dude, well, first up is like one of the best test matches I've ever seen. Uh, like unbelievable viewing. And every time you thought one team was like screwed, 10 minutes later, they'd be on top. And I think that's kind of the Basball thing. Basball is so sick, dude. It is so sick. I'm such a fan. Uh, like I always liked Brendan McCullum as a player. You know, he seems like a bloody legend. His time in the Big Bash was pretty eventful. But this Basball thing, dude, is so sick. And look, it's probably the reason England lost in the end uh, with some of the some of the shots played, the declaration in the first innings. A lot of people were saying the declaration was bad because I get it, you're on 390, you got Joe Root in there, 120 not out. Talk about him later. I'll try and stay glued to my chair while talking about Joe Root's batting this this test match. It was absolutely sickening. My God, Joe Root, fucking hell. Anyway, the declaration in the first innings, I actually thought it was pretty sick because, yeah, People are like, oh, like all the all the nerds with their glasses, like, oh, statistically speaking, you should get more runs in the first innings. And it's like, dude, it's not about runs. It's about, it was a fuck you. It was a vibe-based declaration, okay? It was about walking past Pat Cummins in the tunnel saying, we don't respect you, brother, okay? So I actually love the declaration. And look, would England have liked 
50 extra runs come day five. Yeah, dude. But still, I think it was it was hot, you know? It was like it felt like mugging off the hottest chick at a party. That's that's the vibe of that declaration from Benny Stokes. So I actually really liked it. Uh, the commentary team for this series, wow, we are being treated. What a melting pot of cricket greatness we have at our disposal. Ponting, Kumar Sangakara, Nasser Hussain, Tubby Taylor's back. Dude, to, to see Tubby Taylor on the microphone with a little Channel 9 in the bottom corner. Oh my God, dude. I'm blasting off in the lounge room. It's unbelievable, okay? Uh, Sock in studio. Unfucking believable Steve O'Keefe. This is how good Steve O'Keefe is at broadcasting. In that, if anyone else had a couple of off-field incidents the way Steve O'Keefe did, they'd never be allowed near a microphone for the rest of their lives. But Steve O'Keefe is so charismatic, and so he's just a great talker, and he's fucking hilarious. He understands the game. He looks fantastic up there in that suit, and uh, and yeah, I just think he's absolutely killing it. In stewed, I will say Finchy is a little bit hit and miss for me. I'd say Finchy is hit and miss twofold with his cricketing takes, but also who's dressing Finchy? I saw him wearing like a blue and green like plaid blazer. Looked like he was going to go play croquet in 1947 or something. Like, for the love of God, I mean, Sock is one of the most attractive men I've ever seen. Can we give Finchy a fighting chance next to him, for Christ's sake? Um, but the commentary is unbelievable. KP, he's a bit of a kook. Okay, Kevin Peterson. I don't like Kevin Peterson. Sometimes he's got good takes, but I feel like he doesn't know if he wants to be like a curmudgeonous dickhead or like a banterous guy. You know, he's like trying to be too proper all the time, but then sometimes he'll just be try and be banterous. I don't know. I don't know what Kevin Peterson's trying to be. And I think when he works it out, we'll all be better for it. Okay. Because one moment he's like trying to be really funny and then the next minute, he, like he's mean when you would be funny and he's funny when you would be mean. Like I don't really know. His hairline's good enough that it doesn't really matter. But yeah, I'm not sure what KP's trying to do there. And I will say, just to slip a bit of negativity in but before we get through all the positives, I would love to see Isha Gura on the broadcast. I think she's doing the BBC radio stuff. Look, Yeah. Let's just leave that there because anytime I was under the impression Isha would be on the broadcast. I mean, how can we have Isha on the broadcast for South Africa and the Windies and not for the Ashes series? I mean, as far as people that really thrive in the restless JPEG format, Isha Gu is right at the top of that list. So a little bit disappointed there. But other than that, so good. Dude, Kumar Sangakara, take me to coffee. Teach me about the game, Kumar. You well-spoken son of a bitch. Okay. Um, more positives. The crowds are unbelievable. Looks absolutely packed out. I love English crowds, dude. I sat behind the Barmy Army in maybe, I want to say 2016 at the SCG. I've just made that up. I'm not sure what year it was, but dude, I love the Barmy Army. Like it's, you know, it's like love to hate, hate to love, whatever. Like it's great. Okay. I loved it when, uh, Stokes hit that ball and reviewed it. And then like the next six balls he blocked right in the middle of the bat and they're all appealing. Like, I love that shit, okay? Because here's the thing, dude. People who like hate the Barmy Army, I just am self-aware aware enough to realize that if for some reason, God forbid, and I thank the Lord above that this is not the case. But let's say, 
let's say I was like, you know, Ivan the Terrible in a previous life. You know, I was just a war criminal in a previous life and I get spat out, you know, on, on the streets of Birmingham for some reason. Just ugh, lacking vitamin D and any real hope whatsoever. I understand that if I was born in Birmingham, I would be at fine leg calling Travis Head some of the worst things you've ever heard. So I understand, okay? And I think I think they do it well. Um, so crowds are awesome. Uh, oh, that's right. Um, I tell you what I'm loving is that, firstly, like I just love our team. I just think we're literally watching an all-time great Australian cricket team. I, when I looked at our team on paper before the game begun, I was like, dude, there's no reason we should be losing a series to anyone, ever, okay? And we might lose this one. I mean, we barely won the first test. But our team, this is an all-time, this is the best Australian team I've seen since I think the 2007 Ashes series. And I know that's a wild call and I've just made that up. Okay, but I just went into my brain and 2007 just got spat back out at me. And now that I'm talking about it, I don't mind it. Okay, I think it's the best test team we've had in 15 years. So let that rattle around. I mean, and and the cream is rising like Cummins, Lion, Uzi, like just crazy stuff, dude. Crazy cricket at the highest level, even like Root and Broad for England. Like this is test cricket at the highest level. So it's exciting stuff. Um, the other thing I'm loving is that Marnus, uh, Marnus has like four failures in a row for Marnus. Warner, not doing that well. Travis Head, 50 in the first innings, that was good. Mate, I will say is that back these men into a corner at your own peril, okay? Travis Head is a born knife fighter. Dude, I read online in Travis Head's Wikipedia that he came out of his mum's womb holding a switchblade. Okay, he just came out immediately in a fighting stance with a switchblade, just going, what's going on? What's going on, you know? He's always got his back against the wall, Travis. Minus four failures in a row, whatever, dude. That just, that's just, that's increasing the bet I'm going to put on him next test to get 100, okay? Class is permanent. I get on trains. I don't get off them, okay? And even Davey Warner, dude, I'll say this. Davey Warner, yeah, he, I think he got 30-odd in the second innings, did he? I'll say this about David Warner, guys. I know a lot of people want to drop him. Uh, David Warner needs to play all five test matches this series. I will say that right now. Because if you guys want to send Matt Renshaw out into that, then good fucking luck, brother. Okay? That is not for the... That's big boy cricket being played out there. That is cricket at the highest level. That is a freaking war zone. Okay? If you guys want to send Matt Renshaw or Cam Bancroft out there to face Broad and Anderson... I mean, whatever, dude. You know what I mean? Davey Warner, I think he's got one left in him. I think he's got one big innings left in him. You could tell, like, he looks good. He looks pretty fucking good out there. And he, you do not want to... Here's the thing, dude. David Warner, what is he? Five foot six. You just honestly do not want to back short men into a corner. Because they'll come out swinging. And I reckon Davey Warner has got one last big innings in him. And I reckon we're going to see it. Do not drop him. Okay. Anyway, now if I could just if I could be negative for a second here, um, sorry to be so so dour. If I could just be negative for one second, the pitch, okay, the pitch was poor. It was. I understand they wanted to roll a flatty for the for the baseball. 
which is cool. I mean, it's your it's your cricket pitch, England. It's your business. We've just come from India, where they they rolled a few pitches to suit themselves as well, and that's fine. I will say though, not it. I'm I'm all for like a road, but like an Adelaide Oval style road. Like this was just a little too flat. You know, it was a bit like Mark Taylor was saying, more bumpers, more bumpers. Like wasn't really getting up that high, you know. And I think really the the pitch was so flat and benign that it wasn't even really that problematic on day five. I mean, when you got a pitch that's so flat that England take the new ball and Lyon and Cummins are just hitting it around town. I mean, Lyon hit a one bounce four over like wide mid on. Just picked it up with the new ball against Stuart Broad. You know what I mean? Like that's day five. So, I mean, if they want to roll roads, like it's your business, but I think if you're going to roll a road, like just make it a bit better. You know, let's just make it a bit harder, a bit faster. Something that might crumble a bit on day five. Like it was a pretty disgraceful cricket pitch and whatever, it's fine. We've taken the points. We're running. I'm just saying that I don't want to see, I don't want to see it again. You know, it's an English Ashes summer. At some point, I want to be able to not tell which pitch is even the one they're playing on. You know, I want to see a couple of green tops. I want to see the Duke ball hooping around town, which we got to see a little bit. You know, I want to see some plays and misses. Like, yeah, I want to see some plays and misses. I think that's... (laughs) How many plays and misses did we even really see? But yeah, look, and I think the problem with that pitch is that it did make the toss a little too important because good on Ben Stokes for that, I mean, sporting declaration to... To describe that declaration as sporting is offensive to the word sport. That was a fuck you declaration, okay? That was, that was you know, that was an aggressive declaration. It was just, that, that declaration was so aggressive, it was just disrespectful, okay? That was just, to, to call that aggressive is just, you know what I mean? Like, that's like me spitting in your face and being like, oh, sorry if that was a bit confrontational. It's like confrontational, mate. You just spat in my face, okay? But good on Ben Stokes because he he moved the game forward so quickly and all the English batters did that firstly, the rain didn't matter and the pitch didn't matter. Mate, any other team besides England plays on that pitch, that's a hopeless draw. And I think, honestly, the toss, we're lucky England won because I honestly do believe that if Australia won that toss, we bat for the best part of two days and get 600 and we shut it down, okay? We take the points and bail. So, yeah, I think the pitch was just too flat. That's what I'm trying to say here. And, yeah, what else have I got here? Our own media I wrote down as a note here. What does that even mean? I wrote a couple of notes down because I don't want to forget anything because I'm so goddamn pumped up. Negatives, our own media. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Cool. All right. Our own media. Leave Pat Cummins alone, guys. Fuck me, you know. I get that he pushed the field back on day one, and I get that maybe that wasn't the right call. But also, well, fucking hell, you know what I mean? Joe Root's hitting switch hits for six. Anyone seen this shit before, you know? I mean, test cricket has been played one way for 125 years, and now it's being played a completely different way from about two weeks ago. And Pat Cummins is out there going, what the fuck's going on, okay? And I was like Pat. I was probably a bit naive as well. I was like, pick Boland, top of off, who gives a fuck? Well, after watching Harry Brook bat, I can assure you that no one gives a fuck, especially him, okay? So it's clear that this Bazball is a 
fair bit more dynamic than maybe a lot of Australians were willing to give it credit for, me included, okay? And here's the thing is, I think the problem is the field went straight back. I think we probably needed a plan B, maybe like two short covers or something. But I think to be fair to Pat Cummins, everyone's saying, oh, mate, this guy's just put the field back. It's wait and see cricket. Yeah, maybe. But also, you've got to keep in mind, the pitch was so, so, so flat, you know? It was the sort of field you'd put out on like India day three when you're just trying to build some sort of pressure and create a mistake. And even though it copped a lot of criticism, it low-key worked, okay? Even though it wasn't like the coolest or whatever, it did fucking work. We bowled them out for 280 in the second innings and we won the game. So I think we got to give Pat Cummins some credit. Baz Ball is brand new. And also, yeah, like at least let the game finish uh, before everyone gets into him. I mean, I think we're too harsh on Pat Cummins' captaincy because we're always analysing through the lens of would a batting captain do that, you know? Like, I get it. He's a bowler who captains. It's a bit unusual, but at the same time, he's not a fucking idiot. And he's not out there just wheeling and dealing, doing nothing. Like, Steve Smith is pretty much captaining the team half the time if not aggressively involved in it. Like, they're from the sidelines, it appears they're as close to co-captains as you could get. So, which is which is fine. I love Steve Smith. Like, I'm a massive Steve Smith fan. I think he should probably still be captain. I've always said that, but whatever. Pat's the captain now. I think he's doing a great job. I think we should just leave him alone, you know? And I think, honestly, yeah, everyone ripped on Pat, but I'd be ripping on the pitch first and foremost. Okay, so up next, I'd just like to talk about the English cricket team because it's a little bit different to the team that came out to Australia a couple of years ago. And I'm not like a wildly hardcore fan. Like when England play like Pakistan and stuff, like I'm not, I'm not watching every ball, you know. I'll, I'll, I'll check in on the highlights, but I'm not fully across their boys. So just to like go through each player, just discuss some of what I think about them. So first up, Zach Crawley. Now this guy... I love Zach Crawley because you can just tell that this guy is just a rich bowling machine king. Blatantly had his dad buy him a bowling machine growing up. You could tell every training session, they're like, all right, Zach, maybe let's work on some weaknesses. And he's like, no need, mate. Set it up, half volley outside off. And he just crunches cover drives for an hour and a half and then goes, sweet, see you at the game, which I appreciate. Okay. I've never seen a guy like through the television, I can feel how rich this kid is. And I actually Googled this because, you know, when you just have a, a bias against someone and you're like, this is completely unfair and unfounded. I've always was just like Zach Crawley, a bowling machine king, almost certainly a rich kid. And I looked him up and his dad's like a multi, multi-millionaire. So there you go, Zachy Crawley. He's been on the bowling machine since he was four years old and he's almost certainly one of the most benign roots that country has ever produced. So good on him. Up next, Ben Duckett. I was going to say Bob Duckett for a second there. Ben Duckett. I'll say this, dude. This guy is under my skin. There's something about Ben Duckett's little face. I just want to smash it, you know? It's just like, he looks like, he looks like if there was a bully in like a high school film, Ben Duckett would be like the short kid who like follows the bully everywhere. And he's like his little sidekick saying like, yeah, get him, Flash. Yeah, kick him while he's down. Yeah. You bitch, like, there's just something about this little nugget. I just want to, you know, 
I don't like Ben Duckett. He's under my skin. He irritates me. This whole thing where he's left, I've heard he's left 1% of his balls in test cricket. That pisses me off, dude. Okay. I don't know. There's something about this guy's face. There's something about his face. It's stupid. He has a stupid face. So that's how I feel about him. Ollie Pope, I got to say, dude, we got to freaking put our fist into this guy's, like put our arm on his throat and just hold it there for the next four tests. It's very interesting. I think the he's the weakest batsman in their lineup and he bats three. And it's interesting, their worst three batsmen, worst, I mean, they're all pretty bloody good, but their weakest three batsmen are their top three. We got to get on top of Ollie Pope and get his confidence down, which we've already kind of done. We've got to stay on this kid, okay? He's not that good. I personally would be dropping Pope. I'd put Bairstow at five, Brook at three, and have folks keep. Because we'll get into that in a second. Bairstow has got absolute... He's got plates of aluminium in his gloves, that red-headed freak. But but Ollie Pope, we just got to get on him and just bully him, okay? I'd just be sledging the fuck out of that kid, dude. You suck. You're the worst player in the team. I'd just be into him relentlessly, okay? And we've got to bully that top three. I don't like this thing where Zach Crawley just comes out and starts mowing down boundaries like it's his like it's his God-given right, okay? He's hoeing into cricket balls like there is his family fortune, that rich piece of shit, okay? We got to get on these top three, get their confidence down because they're the weakest batters in the team. Anyway. Joe Root up next. My God, dude. I'm dude, I'm a bee's dick away from a Joe Root poster in my bedroom. This is he's so good at batting. And like I don't I don't know if I have the words to describe how good he is. Like the switch okay, the switch hits are crazy. Everyone knows the switch hits are crazy. But even just like when he walked out of bowling and just clipped him through mid wicket, like it's it's very aesthetic. I've always loved Joe Root, okay? The thing is, guys, I hate England, but I I do have a passion for aesthetic batting, and I I just can't, you know what I mean? What what I can do is hate England aggressively. What I can't do is lie on this podcast. So that's how I feel about Joe Root. Unfucking believable I look forward to watching him for the next four test matches. Harry Brook. Now, Harry Brook this, Harry Brook that. That's all I've heard from Freddie McManus for the last six months. Harry Brook, Harry Brook, I love Harry Brook, I want to marry him. That's what Freddie sounds like when he talks about Harry Brook. And look, I got to say, yeah, this kid, I don't know how old he is, but this kid's doing like algebra in year two. He's got to be one of the most gifted cricketers I've ever seen. He hit an on-drive in the second innings that just made me really sit up on the couch and just just fix up my posture. I thought, wow, that's cricket. Okay, Harry Brook. He's a fucking gun. And I predict I predict we're going to see one innings from him at least over the next four tests. That is going to be absolutely face-melting. So looking forward to that. Up next, Benny Stokes. He's an absolute cunt, okay? I can't really get in or out of this one with any grace. He's a piece of shit. I don't like him. But at the same time, I do respect this man and what he's done. My God. This whole baseball thing... Freddie was telling me he's on one knee as well. His, his knee's absolutely fucked um, from nicking off in the IPL for two months. But, but yeah, Ben Stokes, I mean, good on him. He's Ben Stokes has, like, revolutionized cricket. So it's pretty exciting. Good on him. Johnny Bairstow. Um, 
I never want to be near this man ever in my life. Like if I saw him coming down the street, I'd turn around and walk the other way. I don't like him. I think he I think he looks like he would just be not fun to be around. And yeah, I don't know. He's not good at wicket keeping. I'll say that. So honestly, keep him in the team if you're England. But yeah, he's not good at wicket keeping. And but I think he's a very, very dangerous batsman. So I don't like Bearstow. One of my favorite Ashes moments was um, when me and Freddie were behind the Barmy Army in 2016. And he nicked off like second last ball of the day with a big cover drive. What a freaking idiot, dude. But yeah, dangerous batsman. Don't like him as a person. Moeen Ali. Dude, Moeen Ali, good for coming back or whatever. Has a blister on his finger. You know what I mean? I had a blister on my finger last week. I didn't, didn't call in sick to work though, did I, mate? You know? Oh, my finger. But so I don't, I don't really know what his pain threshold is. It seems to be pretty minimal. Um, look, I just love watching Moeen bat against Nathan Lyon. I think it's absolutely hilarious that Moeen Ali is in the team for his off-spin bowling. I know he bats a bit, but I think it's hilarious that he's in the team predominantly as an off-spin bowler. He's bowled off-spin his whole life. And every time he faces Lyon and Lyon bowls conventional off-spin to him, he looks like he's never seen it before in his life. He, he, come, he walks off the field... And asks Joe Rudy, he goes, what was that? What was that that just came out of Nathan Lyon's hand? It's off-spin, Moeen. It's off-spin, okay? Up next, Ollie Robinson. Okay, so here's the deal, dude. This guy's under my skin as well. Big time, okay? And the send-off against Uzi, I don't really give a fuck. Like, I'm trying to think, what well, if Hazelwood told Ben Duckett to fuck off, you fucking prick... I'll be all about it. So I can't I can't go in on this whole it's the worst thing that's ever happened in cricket. I will say the optics of getting someone out for 140 um and and telling them to fuck off. You know, the time for for fuck off was probably 121 runs ago, you know, when he was literally pongoing you to all parts. You stupid English prick, okay? So I understand the optics on the send-off were a bit poor, but at the same time, whatever. I will say that this guy running his mouth saying Ricky Ponting was, uh, you know, one of the worst sledges of all time and stuff. It's like, mate, honestly, I saw Ricky respond in the media. To, to <laughs> Dude, watching Ricky, Ricky Ponting respond to Ollie Robinson is the funniest thing I've ever seen. They're like, Ricky, did you see what he said? And Ricky was like, yeah, yeah, I saw it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's like, Ricky, did you know a tiny, tiny fly landed on a table three blocks away from you? He was like, yeah, I heard. Like, that was Ricky's energy. You know what I mean? Dude, Ricky, it's like, don't, don't, don't wake him. Don't interrupt a fucking monster of the game. You better hope you don't run into Punter in the tunnel. You th- Dude, Punter threw hands with a bouncer in Adelaide in the 90s. Okay? This is back when bouncers were killing blokes. Straight up, Okay? Punter threw hands with a bouncer in Adelaide in the 90s. You think he won't freaking take take out his, his bloody earpiece from the commentary team and lay hands on Ollie Robinson at a moment's notice? Dude, watch your fucking mouth, okay? So yeah, Ollie Robinson's under my skin. I'm not afraid to admit it. I don't really care about the send-off. I would say his face has offended me more than anything that's actually ever come out of his mouth. But whatever, dude. I'm fine. I'm cool. I'm calm. I'm collected. Up next, who's next? Broad. Stuart Broad. I mean, look, I kind of put Broad in the the root category. I'm just going to do Broad and Anderson together because 
Here's the thing, guys. Yeah, I know everyone's like, we hate Stuart Broad. Everyone hates Stuart Broad. I hate Stuart Broad. You hate Stuart Broad. Dude, honestly, I think I ran out of hate for Stuart Broad about six years ago. I mean, can you believe this guy's still going? And like, the he's got the crowd going. He bowled unbelievably this test match. Unbelievably. I, I think he's just, I think he's great for the game. I'm pro bandana, to be honest, guys. I, I don't know if that's shameful to admit. I'm pro bandana. Okay, I think I love it when he was bowling that last over on day four. It's exciting, you know? It's fucking exciting. So, yeah, can't say I've got the biggest problem with Stuart Broad anymore. I think with him and Anderson, it's just at the point, it got to the point about, what, four, three, four years ago where it's like, look, I don't care if this guy's the worst guy on the planet. This is bloody impressive. I think Anderson's playing his like 190th test match or something. At what point do you just go, fucking hell, you know? My hands up. This is unbelievable stuff. So, yeah, can't can't really knock it. Um, Jimmy Anderson. I don't know what's more impressive, his career or his hairline. It's both just fantastic, dude. Okay, few things to wrap us up here. I was going to now go through the game chronologically, but now I'm just thinking I pretty much said everything I want to say. Let's just say a few things here. First innings, yeah, I thought I thought the pitch made the toss too important. That's my only issue with the pitch, really, is that it was just, it was flat to the point of making the toss too noteworthy. Um, I just honestly think, I do believe, I know we didn't score the most runs ever in the game, but I do believe that if we batted first on that pitch, we would have just buried these blokes. Um, but whatever. Um, I was wrong about Scotty Boland. Obviously, he went at five and over both test matches. Uh, so my hand's up there, you know, I'm wrong all the time, so no stress, but I will say that I was, I was in on the whole bowling for the economy thing. I didn't realize, you know, the extent of this bad bullshit. Okay. I knew it was a good aggressive cricket, walking at the bowls, this sort of stuff. As far as like the switch hits, hitting cover drives for six, I was a little bit naive to what we were walking into here, but I still think it was the right, um, it was the right call to play Boland with the information we had. Even though he, he got tonked a bit like, I thought he bowled all right, you know? I thought they played him better than better than he bowled badly, if that makes sense. Like, I like he just does what Boland does, but there were times where he was got on leg stump too much. But a lot of the time, you know, like, he bowled perfect top of off ball. Joe Root walks at him and clips him through mid-wicket. Next ball, perfect ball, couple of inches outside off Joe Root. Uh, reverse scoops him for six, you know? Like, I don't think we can be too mad at Scotty for some of the balls he was bowling. I mean, Joe Root, I mean, from what I saw in that first test with that 100, that's like the, some of the best batting I've ever seen in my life. Like, he's like, you know what I mean? Like, this is proper top five wisdom cricket of the century shit. Like, so I, I do think it was the right call to play him. Now, hopefully, I, I, the pitch, I hope that we get better pitches going forward. Hopefully now... We go to fucking wherever the second test is. I can't remember off the top of my head. We get a bit more green on that wicket. And now we got give Starkey that new pill. We're 1-0 up. And this is what I say to Starkey. I say, mate, your, your mandate is to injure and then dismiss Crawley, Duckett, and Pope. That's all I want you to do. I want you to injure them physically and then dismiss them from the game. Okay? I want you to rough these cunts up. Okay? We've got to get into that top three. We can't have any more of this one for 90 shit. We can't have Harry Brook coming in at two for 200. We can't have John Bairstow coming in at 350 because 
These games could get way out of hand if that's the case. We got to get in their face from the get go. Starkey's the man to do it. We're one nil up now. On to the next, okay? Um, Nathan Lyon, unreal. Bup, bup, bup. And yeah, like I said, the declaration. If England take two wickets um, on day one in the, at the end there, the BBC guys would just be coming in their pants, okay? So could go either way. Now, Uzi, okay. Usman Kawaja. My note for Usman Kawaja just says, try not to get emotional. <laughs> but dude, honestly, Uzi, just I don't want to hear about it anymore. I don't want to hear about Usman Kawaja unless we're just talking about his greatness, dude. Like, Jesus Christ. This guy has now got runs in every available environment on the world cricket stage. The only place this guy averages like less than 50 is like Jupiter, okay? And I mean, it's just unbelievable, dude. Like when when I was doing these test match recaps at the end of the podcast, like a bit of banter or whatever, when Usman wasn't in the team and we had like Marcus Harris and Joe Burns opening the batting and like Bancroft at three, Aaron Finch at three and Renshaw opening the batting and shit. It was infuriating, dude. In fucking furiating. And I just look at this. Firstly, am I surprised? No. You know, Usman can't play spin. Usman can't play in England. I've never believed any of this shit, dude. Okay? He's been scapegoated. He got dropped the last two Ashes series. And it's like, this guy just gets scapegoated left and right. Um, it's just unbelievable. Like, so pun for Uzi. What an absolute gun. Like, he'd take your misses, but he's just not that. He doesn't find her attractive, you know? He's just the man. He's the fucking man. And I'm so happy for him. What more can you say? He was man of the match. 65 in the second innings. I think 141 in the first. Dude, I'm just so glad that everyone now sees what I always saw. Not, And I'm not a freaking... I don't have any cricket acumen or an eye for talent or anything. Like... I'm a local clown and I could see that this guy should have been playing the whole time and it's fantastic. My, my podcast used to get taken down when I'd be t- talking about Usman. They'd be taken down from YouTube for being too pro-Muslim, okay? I was setting off red flags with how much I was talking about Usman Khawaja. He's absolutely fucking fantastic and you do just think how many years of prime, because he's 36 now, okay? He's 36 years old and it's like, how much prime Usman have we missed out on because of the incompetence of the coaches and selectors of the last 10 years? It's absolutely crazy. Like freaking, I swear, like, see, I'm getting too fired up. I'm getting too fired up, okay? I just need to calm down. But he's just got dropped at a moment's notice. If he didn't do his freaking shoelaces up correctly, they used to drop him back in the day. And it's like, how much prime Usman do we do we miss out on because the Australian selectors weren't let him, weren't able to let him fail once or because they didn't have the courage to just let a team play through a tough series without just scapegoating someone to get the media off their back, you know? Oh, we lost in Pakistan. It wasn't our fault. That was Usman's fault. Oh, we lost the Ashes series. Well, fucking hell, Usman's done it again, hasn't he? You know, because of the cowardice of those selectors and the coaches of the time, Usman has been robbed of 50 test matches and it's an absolute disgrace, okay? This guy's 36 now. I don't know when he's turning 37, but it's like, so him 35, 36 has just been unbelievable. That's when players, that's usually when batsmen get dropped at 36, not when they hit their prime. Are you telling me that through some sort of anti-aging secret, Usman 
Like, are you telling me he doesn't age? Are you telling me that Usman Khawaja is the only batsman on the planet who is going to get better in his mid-30s? Are you telling me his reflexes are better at 36 than they were at 31? Are you telling me he literally defies physics? You're out of your fucking mind, dude. Okay. So, all right. I'm just going to leave that there. Oh, actually, I knew there was something. I knew there was something I had to say. Or not had to say, but I wanted to talk about. This guy, Nigel Fergie. Fergie? Nigel Fergie? Some guy. I don't know who he is. Never heard of him before. Fucking never hear of the cunt again after this. He said it was un-Australian for Usman to be celebrating with a Diet Coke after the World Test Championship. He doesn't drink, mate. You know? I'll tell you what's un-Australian. Telling any cunt what to do at any given stage, okay? Fuck off, all right? So, yeah. Love that. Um, Kerry and Travis Head getting runs in the first innings. Dude, Alex Kerry kept unbelievably, unbelievably, okay? And Kerry, look, he's only got the one test century in, what, 30 tests or whatever. But I tell you what, these 50s he gets, mate, and 40s, they're fucking tough runs. You know, it's when we need them, okay? It's when we need them. So I love Kerry. Settle Kerry in for the next 10 years. I was a bit standoffish with Kerry only because I was like, he didn't grab the spot. He was just because of the Tim Payne sexual assault stuff. But I tell you what, wow. Put Tim, uh, put Alex Kerry in there for the next 12 years. The guy, he's just fantastic. I can't speak highly enough of him. I mean, Travis Head, 50 in the first innings. And I love it because you, you guys want to play this baseball shit? Fine. Fine. Harry Brook wants to hit a cover drive in the air. Dude, Travis Head is going to be hitting sixes over backward point for the next six weeks. And I look forward to it massively. Okay. Manus double failure in this test match and double failure in the last test match. This whole thing, I saw someone say that Broad has exposed Manus's weakness. I mean, how can anyone have a weakness first ball? I'll tell you, I, I'll tell you my personal weakness on a first ball, and literally anything. It's my first ball, okay? Haven't really had a look at anything yet, as it were, per se. I will say that getting out defending like 30 centimeters outside off, yeah, just leave it. As far as uh, me being worried, put it this way, I'm about as worried about Marnus Labuschagne's form as Ricky Ponting is about Ollie Robinson's threats, okay? I slept great last night, dude. I slept fucking phenomenally. So no stress there. I get on trains. I don't get off them. I, he's still the number one player in the world for a reason. So absolutely no worries there. The fact that we won the first test and Marnus and Steve Smith both did nothing. If I'm England, I'm fucking shitting myself, dude. Okay. Starkey comes in for the second test. Let's get. Let's fucking turn a hose on for fuck's sake. Okay. Someone turn a hose on. For the next test pitch, Starkey to just, you want to talk about the first ball, you know, big, big booming cover drive from Crawley. First ball, second test, Crawley's picking this thing out of his grill as Starkey stands over him, okay? And then Marnus and Smith just go to work. So, unbelievable. Um, I think I had a few other things to say, but got too fired up about Usman. Oh, one last thing I just got to say. And I already said leave him alone, but my God, Pat Cummins. That 44 not out, 
That'll go down in the history books as one of the greatest. And also, okay. Yeah, okay. Pat Cummins. I need to talk about Pat Cummins for a bit here. Pat Cummins, dude. The 44 not out, that's just unbelievable. He was hitting balls over mid-off with two wickets in hand. That's ballsy as fuck, okay? Unbelievable. His bowling in the second innings, that ball to Ollie Pope broke my toe. I can't walk on my left foot and I wasn't in the same country, okay? It was crazy. And he kept himself on. And it, you know, it took balls to do that as well. Everyone's saying he's a bowling captain. Well, he's he's a bowl. How can you bowl and be a captain? And I've been one of the main. I've always said that. I think I think Steve Smith should be captain because I just think batters have less to think about when they're in the field. But he kept himself on, and he was bowling great. And he was our best bowler in the second innings, along with Lyon, who was also phenomenal. And yeah, I just think Pat Cummins is just. An all-time great, and I think he showed it in this first test in every facet of the game. And you know what? Yeah, maybe his captaincy, a couple of hiccups with the field positions, but he held his nerve a lot in that game, and we won. You know? You want to talk about his captaincy, we're up 1-0 from one test match. That's his captaincy, okay? So I just can't speak highly enough of Pat Cummins. And yeah, I just... I could just tell, and also you got to keep in mind, Warner and Kawaja are going to retire in the next year or two. I don't know how long Uzi's going to go. I would love to see him maybe walk off the SCG retiring on his own terms at the end of the next home summer. Um, I love champions going out on top. I think Davey Warner, probably a backdoor deal coming his way. Bit of a tap on the shoulder per se. But I'm telling you, appreciate this team. This is an all-time great Australian cricket team. All fucking time. Hazelwood as well. Not sure how long Hazelwood will be playing test cricket. Just as far as his body holding up. Stark. What's Stark? 32, 33, 34. I literally have no idea how old Mitch Stark is. But appreciate this team. And appreciate Pat Cummins. I mean, Lions, 36, 34, 35. I don't know anyone's ages. (laughs) But appreciate these boys. This is an all-time Australian cricket team. And uh, what a privilege it has been to watch them over the last five days. Um, Yeah, so pumped. So fucking pumped. On to the next, okay? On to the fucking next. Thanks for listening. I'm going to keep doing these, I think, just because I enjoy it so much, okay? It's so, so fun. I love Test Cricket. I love it. Way too long, way too long. Yeah, and I can see the ground now, I'm way too long.